right. Well, welcome to New Life this morning. Turn with me to Isaiah 41, if you will. Isaiah 41. <clears throat> we are moving past uh, the series that we were in, <clears throat> What Did Jesus Do?, teaching us uh, the things that Jesus did in ministry that made him successful and what he passed down to us. And we're now looking at the idea of what now? What now? What's next for us? Where do we go from here? What do we do with what Jesus taught us? And how do we translate that into practical, everyday living as a Christian and ministry as a church? <clears throat> Today, I want to look at the idea or the question, uh, the idea of growing a church successfully. What does it take to grow a church successfully? And that's what we're going to be looking at actually for the next few weeks. What, what we can do as individuals, individual members, individual parts, the Bible calls us individual parts of a body, individual members of a body. What can we do as individuals to collectively make this church successful? <clears throat> now, no one wants to fail, right? Nobody wants to fail. No one as a child dreamed of being a failure, didn't want to grow. I remember a commercial from several years ago. Um, they had little kids and they were talking. The kid said, I want to rise to middle management, right? <laughs> and, like nobody wants to be a failure. Uh, uh, the uh, Browse here uh, started their restaurant and they look haggard and <laughs> worn out. It's been busy, right? It's been a, it's been a busy week. You'd rather have a busy week than a, than a not busy week. But, uh, but they look like they've been working a day or two, right? And when they, started the, when they started that restaurant, it wasn't with the intent of being a failure. They didn't want to say, hey, in six months, we'll figure out what we did wrong, and maybe we can try to get... want to be successful. Nobody wants to fail. No one wakes up in the morning with a determination to fail. We dream of success. We prepare and we plan for success. We strive for success. We desire success. It's kind of built within our DNA. Success means that we've done what we set out to do, that we've completed a task that made a positive difference in some way. That's a measure of success. Now, you may define set success some other way. You may have some different um, definition you put to it. But basically, that's what success is. And if we're looking at it through the Christian lens, that's what it truly should be. That at the end of the day, we've made a positive difference for the kingdom of God. The local church movement in America, depending on who you listen to, is either losing or gaining ground or just about breaking even. I know that kind of covers the entire gambit of growth, right? But depending on one survey, between six and 10,000 churches close every year. Another survey, uh, I read uh, 3,700 churches close every year, but 4,000 churches open every year. So it's a net gain of 300. And much of the much of the churches that are many of the churches that are closing are churches that are filled with older folks who cannot maintain the bills anymore. They just they never invested. It's one of the reasons why we do what we do and invest in the younger generation as much as we do, because we want this church to be generational. But we'll get to that point here later on. Um, some of the issues I said are gener generational, some are demographic and some of the issues are philosophical. But a common thread that I've read as I've read about churches that have failed and have gone under and have died and as I've read kind of the autopsy of what happened and talked to other pastors who had to close churches down. 
the common thread I have found through all of that wasn't, well, you know, we, um, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, and, and, uh, or we stood. The problem was this. There was an inability on the part of the leadership and the solid membership to change. An in inability or I a lack of desire to change. They wanted it the way things always had been, and it was always going to be that way. And if you came in and tried to make change, we were going to make you pay for that awful thought. We were going to make your life miserable, and mostly, we were going to make you feel completely unwelcome in the church because we were not going to change. And many times, they take that inability or lack of desire to change and justify it with the scriptures. How many of you have been in a church and you've heard somebody say, well, God never changes, so I'm not going to. Let's have a quick lesson on scripture interpretation. Okay? That's not what that verse means. Okay? That's not what that verse means. We are not walking around in sandals or Jesus Nikes, right? We're not walking around in sandals with robes. And we're not walking on dirt roads to get from one town to the other. We have changed over time. And God still, he's still the same God. But things are different nowadays than they were when Jesus. And if Jesus came back today to minister physically among us, Jesus wouldn't be wearing sandals and a robe and walking dirt roads to get to the next town. Okay? He'd, yeah, I don't know what he'd be doing, but. He'd be doing what, whatever was culturally relevant. Because our desires are not what should be driving the church. A lack of desire and an inability to change has been what has caused the death of many churches. The inability or lack of desire to be flexible, to adapt. One of the things I learned in the military, being in a tactical unit, was that... You can have a battle plan, but the field changes constantly. And there were, when, when I was in uh, the 101st MI Battalion, connected to the 1st Infantry Division out in Fort Riley, we were a TAC unit, and we were a, an, an intel unit in the field. And we were providing intel support for armor brigades. And the battlefield flowed constantly, and there were times you could talk to the gentlemen who are actively in the military right now. There were times when the, the line of warfare was here and we were behind it. And then it would change in an instant. And we were in front of our, the line and we were actually behind enemy lines. And it changed constantly. It flowed constantly. Things change and things are constantly in flux. And if we were going to survive, my, my, uh, the life expectancy of those who did my job in a tactical situation was nine seconds. Nine seconds. Once they, once, yes, absolutely. You're, it's done, you're gone, see ya. Thanks for, thanks for playing. Um, so you didn't stop every time and set up camo nets and do all the nice things that you're supposed to do and then jam the frequencies. You stopped, jammed, and ran. Stopped, jammed, and ran. You adapted to the situation. It's the same way it is in ministry. In life, period, if you're raising children, you adapt. In ministry, you have to be willing to adapt because you don't know who you're going to be reaching. We don't know who's going to show up to church today. 
We don't know who just moved into town all the time and who wants to try us out. And we don't know what kind of ministry we need to be to meet the needs of this coming generation until we sit down and talk to them. And if we're not willing to adapt to their needs, and it's not, it's not catering to needs. See, that's the, that's the problem a lot of people have. A lot of people think we're catering to them. We're not catering to anybody. We're meeting their needs. We're not here, in the, it, we're not here to build the kingdom of John Chase. We're here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we do that by reaching people on their level. We do that by reaching people at their life. And that requires adaptability on the part of those who have been in ministry for a long time. Those who, have, who, who are mature in their faith. That's our responsibility. And the onus is on us to be willing to change. Needless to say, I think that as a church, we should want success rather than failure. We should want success rather than failure. I'm, I made, uh, you asked Melvin, I think I walked out the door on him three times today counting cars in the parking lot uh, because I, we're, we just expanded. We're going to have the, the, uh, the gravel delivered this week so we can have that all taken care of. We need it. Today we're just about out of parking spaces. That's, that's a good thing. We need to adapt. We need to change. We want success, not failure. We're expanding the parking lot and you all got behind the project of expanding the parking lot because you want to continue to see the church succeed, right? Not fail. Success for a church is not about numbers. It's not about money. It's not about building programs. Success for a church is measured in lives changed. It's measured in hearts and families healed. It's measured in walls being torn down, chains of addiction and sin being broken, spiritual prisoners being set free. That's how a church measures success. It's not about how big we can build this. It's about how many people we can help while we're here. How many people we can connect to Jesus Christ. How many marriages can we have a part in saving and, and in encouraging and growing? How many people can we encourage along the way to grow in their faith? That's how we measure success. Now, success isn't wrapped in pretty paper with a bow. It's wrapped in prayer and discipleship and personal time investment. It's wrapped in sacrifice and hard work and getting out of what makes you comfortable all for the sake of building the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what success is. Zach and I were down here last night. Uh, what, like 1230 is when I, it was late and we were just talking. It was a, I had to have a tooth pulled this week, which is always an experience. You know, it's good times. So I lost a couple days and so I was behind, and it, it was a late night for me, and, and I came down. Zach wanted to show me something, so we just talked. We talked for a couple hours. We don't always get the time to, to, to talk about ministry and talk about the church, and we just talked. And we talked about different things, and we strategized, and, and I gave him some assignments because that's my, I get to do that. I get to tell him what to do, you know? I thought that was going to be better than it was, but... Um, but uh, we just we just talked about the church and talked about how we can be successful and what do we need to do to be successful. Now, while all of these things are huge personal steps of faith for the individuals that make up a local church, as we saw last week, the beauty of following Jesus and performing ministry his way is that he guarantees success for us. As Zach and I talked last night, we had a lot of strategies and a lot of things that we were talking about and a lot of different ideas and, and bouncing off each other. 
And we both brought each other back to make sure that everything we do lines up with Scripture and the plan of Jesus Christ. Because all the greatest ideas that we have may not be what God has for us. and may not be what he wants us to do. If we do things God's way in the church and in our lives, we are guaranteed success. This requires a lot from individuals from different backgrounds, from different church cultures, from different upbringings and lives. It requires that the will to work and, yes, compromise for the good of the ministry. It may not be the way they did it in grandma's church, but it's the way we do it here. And that's what has to prevail because we're trying to reach people here in the greater East Longmeadow Springfield metropolitan area, not necessarily your grandma's church. Most importantly, success for a church requires each of us buying into the purpose, philosophy, and plan of our church and working as one body towards the goals of church and personal growth, effective evangelism, and community relevance. It can be scary for sure, no doubt about it. But once again, we're guaranteed that God will be with us in the middle of our struggles, challenges, and oppositions. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 9 through 13 is our text. Let's go ahead and read those. It says, I brought you from the ends of the earth and called you from its farthest corners. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I haven't rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. You will look for those who, count, who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you will become absolutely nothing. For I, the Lord, I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. It's a scary thing to work in a church. It's a scary thing to work in a ministry. It's a scary thing to take steps of faith to get involved in a church. It truly is. For some of you, this, uh, some of you, the, the um, trunk or treat that's coming up is totally out of your comfort zone. I guarantee you, if you've never been to one of our trunk or treats, it's going to be overwhelming if you've never been involved in something like that before. There are kids in costumes, and they're coming to you for candy. And they're going, it's crazy, and there's a lot of them. They're going to outnumber you. They could gang up on you and take over the world. There's going to be so many kids like that. And there will even be parents who, I mean, most of them are going to be very supportive, but some of them are going to be saying to you, why didn't you give my kid an extra candy bar, right? I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. And then that's going to be the fun part, right, Mary? The fun part is going to be giving candy to kids. The best part of giving candy to kids is that they don't come home with you. Right, Dave? Absolutely. They don't come home with you. You give them as much as you want. But... The tough part is when somebody's going to come up to you and say, hey, could you tell me about this church? Now you're on the spot. That's the reason that we're doing this. It's going to take you out of your comfort zones for some of you. And you're going to have to have an answer for that. And some of the, some of the answers might be, Pastor John, could you come over here? And that's fine. That's what we're here for. That's why I don't do a trunk. It's scary sometimes. 
to step out of your comfort zone, to step, on in, step in faith into the life of ministry. But I always come back to Isaiah 41, 9 through 13. Because those verses tell me that no matter what comes my way, no matter who comes my way, God is with me, holding my hand. In ministry, I, I take this verse and I use it for one of the philosophy statements of our church. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done in your life. Some of you may, may, may remember me talking to you and saying this to you when you came to our church and wondered if you were welcome here. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about your life. I care that you want to seek Jesus Christ and I'm committed to holding your hand and walking towards Jesus. If he wants something changed in your life, he'll change it for you. It's not my job to do that. Jesus, uh, God tells us here, listen, there's going to be struggles in life. There's going to be difficulties, but I am with you and I will carry you through it. I will walk with you. I will hold your hand through all of this. I will hold your hand through all of this. Now, as we continue to look at the idea of what now or what next, where do we go as a church in light of all that Jesus showed us about effective ministry? I believe it's vitally important that we understand just what New Life Church is all about. What is our purpose? What is our plan? What is our expected result? This morning, I want to give you the answers to those questions. Some of you have heard something like this before, but most of you haven't. Over here, Dave Bell, raise your hand, will you please? I don't want to put you on the spot, but you're wearing a Giants sweatshirt, so. Um, how many of you don't know Dave Bell? You never met him until today. Wow, Is that, that's, that's like 85%, just if you, that's my quick math. Dave Bell was a key figure him and his wife, Lisa, wonderful, wonderful couple, a key figure in reestablishing New Life Church, reestablishing us, getting us back on our footing after some very difficult times. They moved to Chicopee. They now go to Life Point Church, great church. It's where, uh, one of the, where I served for a while. Kevin Whitaker is the pastor. It's a great church. Dave Bell and Lisa Bell are over there serving well now and, and doing great. But Dave Bell was here a lot of years and helped build this church back up. The reason we're saying, the reason we're going through this message today is because most of you don't know Dave Bell. And it's not about Dave Bell, it's about most of you are new to this church. And you need to know and understand what new life is all about, what makes us tick. I'm a different cat. I really am. I'm not, I'm not your typical uh, pastor. I've, I've just, I'm just different. I, I've known that all my life, and I've learned at my age to embrace it. Because at my age, you can get away with that. Right, Dave? When, when, when you get to be as old as me, you, <laughs> you can embrace that being different. People just kind of think you're out for the day from the home, and you'll be back when the when the soft food comes out, right? <laughs> but how do we go about being successful as New Life Church? How do we go about being successful here? What are we about? What are we established to do? First thing I want to do for you is define our purpose. What is our purpose here at church? Now, I'm not a big one on purpose statements. We don't do that a lot. Uh, and I'm not defining, I'm not putting a purpose statement out here for the church. 
Um, but we do need to know what we're here for. So what is our purpose as a church? I would say this. It'll be up on the screen. New Life Church exists for the purpose of building a healthy, productive, and functional church by helping with and encouraging the healthy spiritual growth of individuals and families. That's it. We're not here to be a social club. We're not here to be a golf team. We're not here to, uh, we're not even here to have a, a clothing shed. We're here to build and help build and assist in the healthy spiritual growth of individuals and families. That's why we exist, in the spiritual growth of families. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22 tell us this. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's the word of God, by the way. With Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. We are, we are a place that should be the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. This church, these lives, the temple that you've been given, this should be the place where the Holy Spirit lives and where he works. You should be his office. <laughs> you should be the place where he works out of. And that's what we're here for, to help you and assist you in building on your most holy faith in building on the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life, in helping you with your children, in helping, not, not raising your kids for you, but helping you and providing you assistance. I'm not here to run your family. I'm not here to run your life. I'm here to provide assistance to you as you navigate life spiritually and as you raise a family for Jesus Christ. That's what our church is about. The second thing that we need to do after we've defined our purpose is we need to develop our plan. So what is the plan? Our purpose is to help build healthy Christians and healthy Christian families. And the reason we want to do that is so that we can make an impact on the world, obviously, so that we can uh, have a positive influence in our community for Jesus Christ and reach people with the gospel. But we need to have a plan. So we need to develop a plan, and the plan would be this, to deepen the faith and practical Bible knowledge of our people and reach the lost in our community with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We need to deepen the faith and practical Bible knowledge of our people. Deepen the faith and the practical Bible knowledge of our people. That's why we're, having, we're opening up more and more Bible studies. That's why a couple weeks ago, when we talked about expanding the parking lot, I said, um, we're growing and we're going to, probably in the springtime, I'm going to come to you and we're going to talk as the growth continues to happen. Uh, we're going to talk about starting a second service. And I'm going to ask for at least 25 volunteers to commit to going to the second service. It'll be 9 o'clock. Now, there may be more of you that want to go to 9 o'clock than 11 o'clock. I don't know. But... We want to make sure that we have that because we're going to need the space. And then, as I said, when we go to a Saturday night service, you know, we could probably, we, we probably have about 25 people that would show up to a Saturday night service right now because they work on Sundays. I'll have a service for 25 people, man, because that's 25 people that couldn't be in church on Sunday that could be there on Saturday. But it's going to be, it's, going to, it's also going to come with a commitment from individuals to be there 
you're going to have to make a commitment to me <laughs> that I'm not going to be the only one showing up. You know? We've got to have a plan. And as we continue to grow, we're going to continue to add Bible studies. And we're going, and, and going to a Bible study requires a commitment. You're going to commit to follow through. So developing our plan means laying down an opportunity and other people committing to taking advantage of that opportunity. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 say, To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. This verse is probably the toughest truth of scripture for new believers to accept especially in today's day and age, because you know what that says? Go back to what I said in my opening. The reason churches are dying today is because nobody wants to change. Let me just be point blank and personal. The reason you're not growing as much as you want to in your faith is because you're not willing to change. That's just the fact of the matter. You're not willing to change. Here, Paul tells us, if you want to grow in your faith, you need to leave behind the old way. And you need to embrace the new self, the new you. The old you should have nothing to do with the new you and walking in Christ. If you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to be effective as a Christian, if you want to plug into new life, the old you has to go away. If you want to plug in and be successful. For some of us, let's, let's take it a step further. It's not just the old self before you knew Christ living in the world, okay? That's Christian speak for not being in church. <laughs> for some of you, let me just be real honest. And it's one of the things Zach and I talked about last night. For some of you, being successful here at New Life and applying this scripture means you need to leave behind the old ways of your old church and embracing the new life way. Not the John Chase way, don't get me wrong. The new life way. I'll go back to Dave. When you went over to LifePoint, there were some changes you had to make. This is a new way. Some new things you had to get used to. Because there, people do things different ways. Churches do things different ways. You can fight and kick and scream against the way we do things all you want here but you're not going to change it because this is what God has called us to do. And I take seriously my responsibility to lead this church. Therefore, I spend lots of time praying about what we do. I am very, very deliberate in starting ministries. That means I take a lot of time to implement something because I want to, co I want to cover as many angles as possible and have as many, as, have as many uh, loose ends buttoned up before we start so that we have less adjustments to make. I think that's, I th I think that's a, a better way to proceed. If we're going to be successful for Jesus Christ, the old us has to fall away. Once again, you can fight and you can kick and you can scream against that. And try to say, no, 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 I can do it my way. And so you're, you're not going to be successful. You're just not. Because you don't know better than God. And you don't know God's plan. 
He does. So you've got to let him lead and you've got to be willing to follow. What are some of the goals of our church? Number one, to make the Bible our source and the foundation for lives of faith. To make the Bible our source and foundation for lives of faith. There is not a handbook that we use to run this church. There is the Bible. There is not a, a, a denominational hymnal that we use to run this church. There is the Bible. We will use the Bible to have a foundational purpose for everything we do. Or a trunk or treat, pastor, you're using Halloween? Absolutely. Last year we had 2,500 people here. Absolutely. And they came and they heard about a church and they felt the love of the church and there's excitement in the community about being here. And some of those people came here and are in our church now. Yes. And it's a biblical foundation. Well, like you're using Satan's day. It's not his day. Get over yourself. You want to be, you want to be cute with me? Show me in the Bible where Halloween is Satan's day. We're talking Bible now. Yep, can't do it, can you? Move on. Yes, we will do what we need to do to reach our community. Those are the things we need to do. We need to, we want to make the Bible our source and foundation for our lives. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be completely, complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible has got to be your source. If you want to be successful as a follower of Jesus, the Bible has got to be your source. Whether you read a devotional every day that, that expounds on a Bible verse, you have to have the Bible in your life every day. I still have in my, in my office, on my bookshelf, my Nana and Grandpa Dudley's um, Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. And it, it's taped together, and it's, it's dog-eared and worn. And I can remember being at my Nana and Grandpa's <clears throat> when, when uh, they were still with us, and I'd get up in the morning, and they were up before the sun rose, and they were sitting there with their coffee, and Nana was reading morning and evening to Grandpa, and they were having devotions together. Man, if you want a successful life, the Bible has to be the foundation of your life as a follower of Jesus. Well, you know, I listen to so-and-so, and their self-help tapes are great. Okay, let me get back to this. This, the Bible has got to be your source and foundation for life. It, it has to be. Not a person, not an individual, not any form of thought, the Bible. And here at New Life, if you come to us for help and you want to get involved and you want to get on board, you're going to find out very quickly the Bible is our foundation here. And we're going to continue to do that because that is the way to be successful for the kingdom of God. Second thing is, we want, to make an, we want to provide an environment and be an environment that builds faith, that deepens faith, and that activates faith. We want to help you build your faith. Be able to take, one of the great things about the community of a church is that you can step out into scary areas with people surrounding you and helping you, kind of like a life preserver. 
And you can take steps of faith and have brothers and sisters in Christ that will be there to hold your hand as you take those steps. You're going to have to take that step on your own, but you're going to have people there that are going to support you. So we want to help you build your faith. We want to help you deepen your faith. As you take a step of faith and God proves himself to you, that deepens your faith and helps you to grow deeper in your faith so that you will be willing and able to take the next step of faith and the next step of faith. And before you know it, you're becoming a strong, passionate Christian who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and not in their bank account. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and not in the fact that you, can, you, you expect your car to start up every morning to get you to work. You put your faith in Jesus Christ first. And we want to be a place that activates faith, gives you the opportunity to express your faith in whatever God has gifted you. I've been baiting this for a, for a few weeks. We're going to be talking about giftings, not laying out what the different giftings are, but operating within your giftings within a church. You may not have the gift of teaching. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but you've got the gift of something. And the key to activating your faith is to operating within the gifting that God has given you within your church. Doing something to help build the kingdom of God. Remember what Paul wrote? People in the church were saying, I'm of Apollos. I'm a follower of Apollos. Well, I'm a follower of Paul. Paul says, no, 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 no. Shouldn't be a follower of either one of us. You should be a follower of Jesus because one plants, another waters, but it's God who gives the increase. We all just play a role. Yes, you may have been one to Christ under Apollos' ministry, but then somebody else discipled you in your faith and brought you to where you are. And then somebody else took you from there to another place, and now you're reaching out and helping someone else come along. And they're taking them under your wings. So one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God will dig into you and help you destroy those things that keep you from expressing and learning and going deeper in your faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For, it is the righteousness of, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it, is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The third thing we need to understand, purpose of the church, uh, the goal of the church is to build relationships surrendered or centered around Jesus and his word. Not just to help you build your faith, but then to connect you with people here in the church that will be relationships that are centered around Jesus and his word. Good friends that will help see you through difficult times will help you rejoice in the wonderful times. People you can go to and rely on. Many of you have just moved to our area from other places. I am so glad and not to sound condescending, but I'm so proud that you chose to get connected to a church in a new community. My dad's piece of advice to me when I went into the military, he said, John, wherever you get stationed, the first thing you need to do is get settled in. If, you have to, if you're staying in a hotel or if you've got a place to live right off the bat, get settled in and then go find a church. It's the first thing he told me. You know what I did when I went to Fort Riley? Settled into our place, went and found Calvary Baptist Church. It's the first place that trusted me to be a youth minister. And I learned a lot in the two and a half years I was there. I took the advice of my father. 
connect with a church right away. And I'm so, so proud of young families that move to a new area and, and what they want to do is connect with the church. I think that's awesome. That's amazing. Our goal here is to connect you with people who can help you connect with Jesus and encourage you in the difficult times, the tough times, the struggles. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4 say, if there is if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let me tell you a couple things that the church isn't. The church isn't a place to find drinking buddies. Seriously. Not a place to come and find drinking buddies. I know a lot of people that, uh, that, that uh, it used to be when I was in my generation, it was like, yeah, kind of like uh, the movie Coming to America. You want to find good girls? You find them in church. Go to church to find the good girls, right? Well, church isn't a place to find people to go out and and cause trouble with. That's not what a church is. Church isn't a place to develop relationships. You ready for this one? The church isn't a place to develop relationships that threaten your marriage. It's not. It's not. I am of the old school where I don't, I, I do my dead level best not to be seen alone with another woman. Oh, you're such, you're, I'll, I'll use the, the language of my youth. You're an old fuddy-duddy. Okay, yes, okay. Yeah, I may be. The old part is right there. I don't know about the fuddy-duddy. I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. But how many times have you seen in our day and age an accusation be made? And even after it's proven wrong, that person can never lose that reputation. I value my service to God and my marriage more than I value somebody being offended because I wouldn't give them a ride. I'll call you an Uber. Okay? It's not going to happen. This is not a place to hook up with other people and threaten your marriage. That's not even what we should be doing. Therefore, the ministries we start will be very much appropriate to building solid marriages and encouraging the growth and the sanctity of marriage, biblically speaking. It's important that you put that in there today, okay? The church isn't a place of competition, if you're threatened by someone else's ministry of success, then you don't understand what a church is all about. Because this is not a place of competition. This is a place of everybody working together to get the job done. The church is a place where iron sharpens iron. The church is a place where lost people get found. And that's not always unbelievers in Jesus. Sometimes that's believers who have lost their way. They find their way in a good church. That's what we're here for. Thirdly, after we've 
after we've uh, defined our purpose and after we've developed our plan, it's important that we expect the result. We expect a result that uh, hopefully, if we don't get flooded this week, Jeremy, <laughs> we'll have all that crushed stone delivered. Our neighbor next door who's been very good to us, if you see this old Italian guy, Frank, uh, Frank um, Rashilla drives these red trucks out of next door. If you see him, thank him. Because all the work out there, he did for free. He took the topsoil and because he has a, a business. But he did it all for free. I, I said, we want to pay you for it. He's, he looked at me with that smile. He's lived next door to my parents for 736 years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he used to use a dinosaur to clear the roads. Um, you know, Frank has been here, lived here for uh, almost 40 years, right? 1980, I think, or 80, I think 80 or 81, he said he moved in, um, close to 40 years. And uh, back when I was a teenager, that's how long ago it was. Um, and, but, but say thank you to him, if, if you see him. Once we get that all, and then he's gonna spread all that rock out for us. And then we're gonna have it rolled and, and it's gonna be ready to go. We're doing that expecting that parking lot to be filled. That parking lot, expanding it, should make it, should give us just enough parking to fill this place, to fill this auditorium. It should give us just enough parking spots to fill this auditorium. I expect that to happen two times on Sunday and once on Saturday. I'm expecting a result. I'm expecting these things to happen. If I didn't, I wouldn't have been here for 17 years. I expect a result. You should expect a result as well. You should expect that the work you do in the church, the ministry you perform in the church, brings about a result. Whether it's helping someone through a tough time and them being able to move forward, or whether it's um, evangelizing and winning someone to Christ, whatever it may be, as a church, we need to expect a result. These results will be accomplished by our church corporately as long as we as individuals do our part. Understand that. These results will be seen in our church corporately as a body as long as we as individuals do our part. If the hands of new life keep reaching out, if the feet of new life keep walking towards those in need, if the heart of new life keeps passionately seeking those who need a friend, if the eyes of new life keep looking out and seeing those who are in need, if the ears of new life keep hearing those who are calling and crying out for help, then new life will continue to see results and it will continue to grow and meet the needs of our community and continue to draw people to Jesus Christ as new life with its arms lifts up Jesus Christ. We will then welcome new people coming to Christ as a body. If as individuals we continue to do what we've been called to do, new life will continue to be a church that is on the rise. We're no longer considered a small church. Did you know that? For a long time, we were considered a small church. Now, according to those church experts, we are a medium-sized church. 
which brings along more opportunities of ministry. See, you never stop thinking. <laughs> and pretty soon we'll get to be a large church once we have those two services on Sunday and the third service on Saturday. We'll then cross the 500 attendance prop, uh, or 500 member prop, uh, border and we'll be considered a large church. And then we'll keep going and then we'll start planting churches. We're going to start, uh, we're, we're looking over in West Springfield because West Springfield has a need. We're looking, uh, there's, there's a need in the Ludlow area. A lot of Portuguese speaking people in the Ludlow area. We have, you know, we just so happen to have a group of individuals that speak Portuguese here at New Life. How amazing is that? We have the opportunity to evangelize Ludlow. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? Dave, went to, Dave is from Ludlow, right? So we have, uh, and you know, Enfield is like the most difficult place in the area to start a church. It's amazing. It's, it's like where new church plants go to die. Well, I love a challenge. That's why I'm a Rams fan. Right? Right? See, as, as soon as, as we get to that place, now we can start reaching out and planting churches in your neighborhood so that you can reach your neighbors and they don't have to drive all the way everywhere. It's amazing what will happen when you expect the result because you're doing what God has called you to do. Growing people of passionate, lively faith for generations, that's one of our results. We don't want to just be an old man's church for me. I want to build a church that is vital and active for your kids. And quite honestly, for my kids, and now, pretty soon, for my other grandchild, my granddaughter. I have two grandchildren in this church. How cool is that? I want this church to be here for them and for your grandchildren when you get to be my age. We expect the result of new lifers actively evangelizing our community with a burden for lost people. You don't see people as people, you see them as people for whom Jesus died. And we want to build a church reputation as a safe and free environment for others to seek and find Jesus. Close with one, one quick story and then a verse. If you drive in and you look at our sign, it's just a typical sign. But next time you look at it, there's two things I want you to look for. One is the ichthus. That's the Christian fish. Everybody know what the Christian fish is? Christian fish actually goes back to the first century. It's an icon of first century Christians. And it was, uh, we use it now as a, as a statement of pride. But in the first century, it was actually a, because they were under severe persecution, it was a sign they used to acknowledge and recognize each other and say that you're, 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 you're uh, safe and free to talk. One would come and in the sand or in the dirt would draw one half of the fish and the other person would draw the other half of the fish. And that way they would know that they were free to communicate. It was also uh, on walls or on the, the entryway of their houses. And then the other one, you'll see it on the bottom, on the little addition to our sign, there's what looks like a wheel. Looks kind of like if you've ever played... Um, uh, what's that game, trivia game? Trivial Pursuit. It looks like a pie from Trivial Pursuit. And it looks like a wheel. And the wheel 
is actually another first century icon. And that first century icon of the wheel takes the letters I, X, O, Y, and E from the Greek language. And they're the letters that stand for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. The first century Christians found that when they took those letters and superimposed them on each other, they formed a wheel. It's pretty cool. It formed a wheel. So they took that and they put it in their architecture. You can see pictures online on the pillars um, of the, the gates to walk into their house or above the doorway or even the caves. They would drive, they would, they would draw this wheel and it looked very decorative, much like it looks like on our sign, but it had a special purpose. You know what that purpose was? To let those Christians walking into that house or into that cave know you're safe. It was a safe house. So we have two icons on our church sign, not for decoration, for purpose. We want people to know. I want you to know when you drive in. Now many of you don't know that, and now you do. When you drive in and you see our sign, just remember... Everybody that walks into this church is free and safe to seek Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't put qualifications on anybody. And we do, that's exactly, if you were here when we, when we made up the first sign that before we replaced it with this one, that's exactly what I said to the church. That's why those icons are on there. So that when you drive in, you will remember that everybody that walks into this church is free and safe to seek after Jesus Christ, including you. We need to have a goal of providing an environment of freedom and safety for people to seek and find Jesus Christ. Psalm 126, verse 6. I use the, the KJV uh, translation for this because I think it's so, so beautiful and so powerful. And it lays down for us the promise of a soul winner the promise of an evangelist from God that what you give will bring about a result. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Hmm. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. If you will go into the world that you live and work in and take the precious seed of the word of God, the precious seed of Jesus Christ that he planted in you when you accepted him as your savior and you scatter that seed like a sower that Jesus talked about. It is guaranteed even in the hardcore region of Springfield, Massachusetts that you will see the result of souls won to Christ and lives changed. It's a promise. It's a promise. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your church and to dig into your word and to worship with each other, God, and just, just relax and, and rest in you. To have the freedom of our faith God, thank you. Thank you for those who came out today and spent their, their day with us. Thank you for the, the nourishment to my soul that I've received today, seeing old friends and talking with new and, and just seeing people rejoice in you. God, I gotta be honest. 
seeing this today just fires me up to keep moving forward because God, there's so many more out there that need what we have. God, they're crying out for it and they don't even know it, but we do. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you for preserving this church through the years. Thank you for what this church has stood for since 1976. God, may we remember that and continue to stand firm on you. And may each and every one of us buy into the philosophy of this church of reaching people for Jesus Christ and standing firm on the foundation of your word. God, may we be worshipers and evangelists for you as we love our lives every day. Bless us. Continue to give us the courage and the wisdom and the vision to walk through open doors. And may everything we do in our lives, loving our husbands and wives, raising our children, working our job, greeting our neighbors, whatever it may be, may we do it all for the glory of your kingdom and your name, the power of your name. For it's in your precious name we ask all this. Amen.